Father, I thank you that you've opened our hearts to the reality of your presence and that our Christianity doesn't consist of rules and regulations and obligations, but it consists of an invitation that we've responded to. And we know that we're just barely scratching the surface on the relationship that is designed to define eternity. This is eternal life, to know you, God, and Jesus whom you've sent. Holy Spirit, we are so grateful that you're helping us because we don't know what to pray, we don't know how to, we wouldn't have any idea how to pursue if you weren't wooing us and making space for us in our heart for Jesus. Jesus, we'd have no idea what the Father's like. If all we could had to, to do was look at uh, creation, we'd see that he was big and that he appreciated beauty, but we'd also wonder about about the dangerous things and the hurtful things. If all we had to look at was history, even biblical history, we'd be left with confusing images, Lord, and we wouldn't be sure what to expect. But because in these last days you have spoken to us by your Son, not just by your Son, but in your Son, and not just in your Son, but literally spoken your Son into our lives, then we can sit here right now happy as, as, uh, as a puppy with a new toy, realizing that there's a big world going on around there and the cosmos is great, but that we are loved, we are accepted, we are adored, we are cared for by you. That knowledge is super important, Lord, now for many of us and for others that might hear this later on. I just want to declare that God loves you. He sees you. He sees the struggle that you're facing. He sees the fears that you face. And he doesn't just look at them from afar, up in heaven someplace. And he actually doesn't just look at them from afar off like half a mile or several feet. He sees them from within the very heart that you experience them in. He is with us, and he has made his life in us. But the good news on the other half of that equation is that we're in him. He's drawn us into himself, and nothing can come your way that he's unaware of. Nothing can come your way that he is not capable of being with you in the midst of. And so in all this coronavirus stuff, and in the break in our routine, and the threats to our livelihood and our job, be grateful that you have a God who adores you, who knows you, and adores you still. You have a Savior who has in every way been touched by the feeling of your infirmities and mine. You have one who has passed through the heavens, who's met every criteria so that you and I can be fully forgiven, fully cleansed, fully received, fully embraced by our Father. And you have a God who is in you and with you and will be forever. He's not going anywhere. Holy Spirit's with us, in us, forever. Think about that. So no short-term disruption, no weird governmental reactions and restrictions, none of that is going to change anything about how much God loves you and how secure you are in his hand. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We honor you for it. We thank you that you more than live up to the name of Father. 
And so we bless you and want to put our trust in you. We want to do so tonight, in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, it's cool. So the reason I had that little reaction is we moved that big TV that you guys are on from the back of the room, if you know about the room, if you don't know about the room, this doesn't mean anything to you, but from the back of the room up to that pole. So you're only about, I'm like right in front of the TV. So all your pictures are about that big and I can see you smiling or frowning if I say something that makes you frown. So anyway, it's, it's pretty fun, pretty fun. Uh, well, I had a, a very interesting experience this week and uh, I have to turn my little thing on here. Hold on. This is my self-monitor. There we go. All right. Bingo. Counting down. So I had an interesting experience this this week. Uh, I wasn't actually talk, planning on talking about this, but I hosted uh, on Zoom because we couldn't meet together. I hosted a group of leaders and the, the sort of main theme that came out was uh, about a program that one of the brothers who I love and, and know and trust in a lot of ways, uh, but he was moved in regard to Second Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll forgive their sins and heal their land. So we're going to talk about that today because I realized... Uh, so like being a theological nerd, I like theology, but um, I realize how important it is, and I just want to share it with you guys and kind of share the importance of it. As we're going there, if you don't, if you haven't already done this, look on the screen and be sure and write down this or take a screenshot to stay in touch with us so that we send out these uh, notices. It, you can stay in touch by typing the word Joyland on your text program to 31996. And we won't spam you a lot, but it'll allow you to stay in touch. And every time we have a change or a new, new thing, uh, that'll let that happen. And then the big one is this one. Laurel mentioned it earlier. Joylandlife.com forward slash join will take you directly to a schedule page. And every time we add a new study or take something off or change a schedule, the majority of them can be accessed in the very same number you're using right now. But there are a couple of them that are at our other number, which is 2277. And I'm not going to go through all the details. But if you'll just make sure that you can remember or write down joylandlife.com forward slash join, you'll be able to stay in touch with every schedule change that we have, and uh, you can join us at any one of those. So I'll leave that up there just for another couple seconds, and uh, that's a big one. We'll be putting that out in a lot of other ways. All right, so here's the title of tonight's message, Repenting into God's Covenant Goodness. Does that make any sense to anybody? Okay, hopefully it will in a minute. So 2 Chronicles 7, 13, and 14, or Hebrews 8, 10, and 11. Who is your God and Father in a crisis? That's what we're going to look at. All right, so I'm betting this is going to be pretty hard to read because uh, I got too much stuff on it. Let me read it to you real quick. This is 2 Chronicles 7, 11 through 20, because I want you to understand the context. Now, the thing that's provoking this is there was a suggestion that we needed to respond to this crisis by having a daily act of repentance and uh, seeking the face of the Lord and turning away from our wicked ways so that God could heal our land of the coronavirus and forgive our sins and do all that kind of stuff. Now, that's hard to build an argument against, you know, to have daily repentance and, and seeking the Lord's face and so on. But uh, I'm going to. 
So hang in there with me. So it reads, Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's palace and successfully completed all that he had planned on doing in the house of the Lord and in his palace. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon. And so I want you to understand that this passage of Scripture uh, in Second Chronicles comes from the issues surrounding the dedication of Solomon's temple. Okay? The dedication of Solomon's temple. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayers and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Now we get to the verse 13 and 14 that built this program that the, that a number of these pastors are excited about and going to try to push, uh, or at least accepting of, I'm going to try to push. One of the comments that was made was the reason for 14, which is like a super famous verse about, uh, you know, if my people pray, like an evangelical revival verse. The reason 14 exists is because of 13, and there's some truth to that. So 13 says, if I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people. Now, when that one came up during the reading in the group, everybody was going, oh, yeah. And apparently, very inclined to identify the coronavirus with this. Okay? Uh, So if I send pestilence among my people... And my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And this is the part we're actually going to concentrate on tonight. Uh, my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. And now he goes on to say this. He says, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Remember, it's the dedication of the temple. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever, and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. As for you, if you walk before me as your father David walked, even to do according to all that I have commanded you, and will keep my statutes and my ordinances, then I will establish your royal throne as I covenanted with you, your father David, saying, You shall not lack a man as a ruler of Israel. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments, which I have set before you, and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot you from my land, which I have given you. And this house, which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight and will make it a proverb and a byword among the peoples. All right? What this is, is the covenant language of the tail end of the Mosaic covenant that God and the nation of Israel were operating under in and through the temple and Solomon. All right, we're going to concentrate just on the part that was talked about. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon at night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. If I shut up the heavens so there is no rain, if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. All right, so let me explain to you, which I don't think you need an explanation about. It's pretty hard to build a case against repenting and praying and and stopping your wicked ways. But what I want us to understand is the danger that we're in. The danger that we're in, if we do not commit ourselves and understand the covenant in which we are with God and under with God. 
And so to so easily, and this is what grieved my heart so much, and I've got to figure out a way to, to communicate this and, 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 and do so, and I, I've, I've consulted with some of you. It's almost like in a group like that, you're being asked to say, oh yeah, amen, amen. And I can't say amen to this. Matter of fact, the thought that was in my heart was who suspended the new covenant? Who has the authority? What caused God to look away from the Son that's seated at his right hand, who was the perfect one time forever in heaven, not in tabernacles made with men, not sheep and goats? Who was, who had the authority to force the Father to ignore the finished work of his Son and re-enter in this time in 2020 because there's a, a, a nasty flu out there? And God goes, wow, yeah, that'd be a good idea. I could stir some repentance in my people. That'd be a good idea. Some of these folks might turn away from those wicked ways. I don't believe that that jives with the covenant that we know. I'm not going to go into the detail about this passage of Scripture. And I'm telling you, it's not the easiest thing to try to exegete and understand. When I read in there, uh, if I shut up, matter of fact, let me tell you the power of this thing. So I, I left here after that meeting, and I was driving down uh, just about a quarter mile away, and I go, Lord, Father, would you use, would you, would you do something like And I felt like I heard a voice say yes in my heart, in my head. And I drove about another quarter of a mile, and I was kind of mystified, and I was kind of, kind of stirred up a little bit emotionally because I talked to the Lord a lot. And I journal a lot, and I hear it back. And then I heard a voice, and I knew that was a different voice. The voice I heard about a quarter mile down the road was that sweet, wonderful voice of the Holy Spirit saying, do you see how powerful it is to declare these things? To be in a room where people accuse the Father of operating this way under the covenant that we're under? And that was a sweet thing. I don't know how to describe it to you. You just have to trust me. I'm not trying to make a... Well, I am trying to make a doctrine out of it, I guess. I heard the voice of the Lord comforting me, but warning how difficult it can be if we entertain the conditions of a former covenant as if they were the covenant that we were operating under right now. And I, covenant sounds almost too legal. If we, understand, if we try to understand the love that God was extending, with the love that he's extending now, we're going to be in trouble. Now, so I'm not going to go into all the teaching tonight. I could never get it done in time. But, and it's probably too small on the screen, but the word if here, where it says, if I shut up the heavens, and if I command the locusts to devour, or if I send pestilence among my people. Uh, the Hebrew word for if is hain. There's 318 uses of it in the Old Testament. Lo, meaning like, lo, like look, you know, 18 of those. Here I am are 11 of them, and 185 other times this is translated, behold. Now, if you're quick on your feet on math, and you realize there's 318 of them, and then there's those numbers, 11, 18, and 285, that means there's only four opportunities where this word was in the Old Testament, it's translated if, like this. And Two of them are in this verse. 
There's another one that's an if in there. But two of the four, one of them is in uh, Hosea where it says if a man divorces his wife, and another one is in Jeremiah, and it's just a random reference to if a person did something. So what I'm telling you is that it's not such an ironclad case when somebody comes up and says, but look at what it says. It says that if I... So Tuesday night, we're going to be studying about if I. And I'm going to be talking about it at lunch and at breakfast probably a little bit. So we'll save that for that. But what I want you to know is that's not the only way this is rendered. I mean, it's if you look on that uh, he, uh, Hebrew Bible, all the places that word is, there's four out of 200 and, what did I say, 318 that aren't just behold. And if you back up a little bit in this whole dialogue that Solomon had with God, he says if, but he means I mean, he talks about a lot if uh, a war comes and you pray to me. So let's not assign it to God. Let's let's jump to another covenant. Hebrews 8, 7 through 13. This is the question. Where are we going to appeal for the God that is with us in this crisis? Hebrews 8, 7, 13 says, For finding fault with them, he said, Behold, days are coming, says the Lord. When I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant, and I did not care for them, says the Lord. Now, the reason I chose to include 8 and 9 in this, because usually when we're talking about new covenant, I talk about 10 on down, but it's because this is the truth. It's linked back to this very time when Solomon was uh, dedicating this temple. That covenant that God says... He couldn't care for the people through because they didn't do their part is the very covenant that's replaced by the one prophesied by Jeremiah, prophesied by Isaiah, and now articulated in the new covenant in the New Testament is this. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people." And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen and everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all will know me, from the least to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. And if you remember studying this with me before, that word down there, for, in 11 and 12, because, because everybody will know me, the least to the greatest, because I will be merciful to their iniquities. And their sins, no way, no how will I remember anymore. And so the question is, which covenant are are we living in? And when are we going to take a stand with our faith to believe the the word of revelation that reveals this? The Mosaic covenant was crafted under the conditions where sin was forbeared through the sacrifice of blood of bulls and goats. But if you go a little further, and this is something we're going to get into this weekend or this week as we look at some of the details. But if you go further, that never had the power to take away sin. The blood of Jesus, he was, ba- he was uh, shed his blood once for all time for the forgiveness of sin. So I'm telling you what, unless we can roll back time 2,500 years, This virus is not from God. It's not designed to punish. It's not designed to lead to repentance. As a matter of fact, the kind of repentance that was spoken of by God to Solomon 
isn't even the same concept of repentance, really, that it is for us. This part here. This is the covenant I will make. I will put my law in their hearts. Not let them hover out here in an external place, not stuck in an ark, not written down and mediated and managed by the priests. It's going to be in your heart and in my heart. That's where God deals with us, with the law. That's where he teaches us the truth of himself. I will be their God and they shall be my people. He's the one declaring that. He's not holding that as a condition. He's not in a position to say, boy, I need you to repent. I need you to seek my face. I need you to turn from those wicked ways. Yes, we're being turned. That's what the whole point of having Christ in our hearts is. We're being transformed. We're being changed with him for the Father, being presented. You know what? You can't be presented before the Father by Jesus and just hang on to your sin like it's just some kind of a personal birthright. No. That's not the way it works in this covenant. How do we repent? All right, so I'm going to give you some ideas about why we do need to repent and why that's fine, but we don't need to repent out of that covenant that's old. We need to repent into the relationship that's here. So the book of Acts, it says, Now when they heard this, this is the first sermon preached as the church was being formed. The first sermon after Pentecost, Peter preaches this. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, Repent. He said, Look, Peter said to them, Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as our Lord God will call to himself. The first instance of the preaching of repentance after the resurrection of Jesus and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is a repentance unto a promise. A promise. A promise that's been given, already been given, established, and laid out before us. The next one is in Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. If you were reading this back at the dedication of the temple of Solomon, you'd expect a string of ugliness that you're going to have to avoid. But look at what it says. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. There's so many places that, ex- that uh, articulate and exemplify the difference in these covenants that we live in. Matthew 11:28 says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Do you think anybody's that way now? Absolutely. Absolutely. This thing can wear on you, you know. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is an articulation, and there's a bunch more in Scripture. Jesus says in the end of Revelation, Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me. Hebrews chapter 9, at the end of that, it says, Jesus is coming a second time without reference to sin. We live in a different covenant. And it grieved my heart that, that my brethren, my you know, Christian leaders and stuff, slip so easily back into another covenant and paint a picture of God that was based on the revelation 
that was limited back then prior to Christ. Even more than that, and this is what I want to admonish all of us to avoid like the plague, talking about judgment and stuff. Don't marginalize the work and the person of Jesus by appealing to a previous inferior covenant. Don't do it. There's a lot to learn about the, uh, the, the Old Covenants. There's a lot to learn about the Old Testament. But it's learned only properly in the light of who Jesus is. Fix your eyes on Jesus as you run this race. And don't allow people to persuade you that God has ignored the Son seated at His right hand and taken up an, uh, an old habit of how to disciple us and to get us into righteousness. You're in Christ and He's in you. And He presents us to the Father. And we are received because of that. So, Pray for me, because I'm going to figure out how to talk to my brothers about it. And then ask the Holy Spirit to remind you or to quicken you if you start to slip into this. Because it happens to all of us. Three or four bad things happen, and the question pops into your head, what did I do wrong? What you did wrong or right may have a bearing on things that go on in your life, but it isn't what the covenant is based on. I will have mercy on their iniquities and their sins I will remember no more. The end of that passage that I didn't read says that if the old thing is is uh, obsolete and beginning to pass away, then the new has come. And that's the situation we find her in. So when you guys hear that, please, please, please stand vigilant against accusing the Father of appealing to an old covenant. Now it's hard sometimes because it's in, it's in the Bible, and it always sounds good to repent, and it always sounds good to stop doing your wicked ways. So I encourage you strongly, stop doing your wicked ways, but don't do it so that God can forgive you. Do it from the forgiveness that God has given you. You're not in bondage to Him anymore. Amen? Okay. Well, praise God. It took a little longer than I thought. I, wanna, I want you guys to unmute. We're just going to sit here. Riley's going to capture us on the camera, and I want to hear how you're doing. If you got any questions, ask them. Uh, just any and everything you want to want to do. You have a question about what I taught? Okay. Riley will get the camera on you. So Vicky's going to lead off with the questions. Okay. Okay. So um, in Hebrews eight thirteen, which you just were talking about, okay. when he said a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. But whatever is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to disappear. Uh, you know, people always, when I try and talk about New Covenant, Old Covenant, they always say, oh, you're throwing away the Old Testament. Right. Are we actually throwing away the Old Covenant? <laughs> okay, so the first, thing I, we're, know, the first thing we're not doing is we're not throwing away the Old Testament. Right. Uh, the Old Testament reveals stuff about God, and it reveals about relationship. Mm-hmm. So we're not throwing away the Old Testament. Okay. Uh, and I, I think it's very, it, it, it's weird. If God says the Old Covenant is obsolete and passing away, yeah. then I would ask, who are we, we to say it's not? Right. 
Let God do with the covenant what he says he wants to do with it. It's not like it's being thrown away or destroyed. It's being overcome by the fullness of of Christ. There was stuff revealed about God in the old covenant, Mm -hmm. but nothing compared to it. Hebrews 1, in in times past, in different ways, God spoke to us through uh, prophets and men of old, but in these last days, he's spoken to us in the Son. Yeah, and, uh, you know, when I find myself in these conversations, that's the first thing that gets thrown in my face is that I'm throwing away the Old Testament. And I say, no, I'm not throwing away the Old Testament. The other thing is, is the, the Old Covenant reveals who God is. The New Covenant reveals who the Father is. And, and I mean, I know they're the same, the same yeah. thing. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. But, but there is a better, um, Picture better revelation. There's no and a question better about revelation it. of who God the Father is. Here's a classic, ex- here's a classic example of why we have to begin to think this way and embrace the new revelation. So much of, of what was understood as holiness was based upon the sacrifices. And there were sacrifices for this and sacrifices mm-hmm. for this. Mm-hmm. But later, later, after this temple dedication, after the exile, you have prophets like Jeremiah and you have others who revealed that God himself said, I never desired sacrifice. I, I, I received sacrifice. I endorsed sacrifice. I gave you sacrifice. I even, as he said to, that's why I used that whole scripture about Solomon, I've set this place as a place where I'll receive sacrifice, sacrifice. But I did it not because I wanted sacrifice. Right. What I wanted was you to mm. know that I was in relationship with you and I loved you. Right. Now, Jesus sacrificed Christ. once. To go back and resurrect those sacrifices in some sense to earn righteousness or to create an opening so God can forgive us and cleanse our land is ridiculous. Now, what do we do in the New Testament? You know, we don't have a whole lot of time to go into it. Well, we do. I guess we can talk a little bit, a few more minutes. We ought to be making declarations about the coronavirus. We ought to be speaking cleansing to the land. The scripture in Romans 8 says that creation is groaning, waiting for the glory of the sons of God to be revealed. And that creation is frustrated, not of its own making, but by him who frustrated it, waiting for us to be revealed. We had some ascensions earlier, and I've had some prayer times this week even, where we were proclaiming the end of this virus, proclaiming the release of all of the healing elements that are going to make this a short-lived thing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Not some artificial, self-centered, navel-gazing repentance trying to figure out what am I doing that's a wicked way. That's easy for some people and hard for others. There's a bunch of you, I'm looking at your face, I, I, don't, I think you'd have a hard time writing on a, even a little bitty yellow page a bunch of wicked things you do. Come on. We live in a different covenant. God lives inside our heart. Most of what we want, most of what we want are the desires that he has shared when he moved in with us. Who here doesn't want people to not die of this virus? Who here doesn't want the elderly to be spared? Who here doesn't want the, the, the people to get back to work and be spared the, the agony of this? That's what God wants. He's not sitting there with his arms folded waiting for us to figure out some new wicked way to repent from so he'll have permission. to. That's just ridiculous. So let's not do that. And And, and we don't have to trash or belittle the Old Testament and the revelation it brings, nor do we have to uh, 
nor do we have to deny the value in relationship of the old covenant that it had as it spoke of Jesus, as it worked with the the people and everything else. What we have to do is live in the covenant that God had. Jesus held out the blood and said, this is the blood of my new covenant. That's our life. It's our life. And this is a time that it's really, really easy to be tempted to slide backwards. And what you do is you push God at a distance, you create a whole different kind of dynamic with him. It's not true. So you guys unmute and go ahead and question or Ronnie, you got one? Covenant. You you did sort of just reference that we would like to keep parts of it, but what do we no, do? I'm, not the, I, I don't think we should keep parts of it. I think we need to let it be obsolete because that's what it is in relationship to the new covenant. That's what I think. Now, that's hard. Does that mean that there's not things in there, social things, courteous things, uh, you know, that we ought to live by? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that there's not righteousness that flowed from God into the society of Israel and through Israel into the world that doesn't still make some sense. What I'm saying is we don't get it from that covenant. We get it from Jesus. We get it from him living in our heart. And if we think about the covenant in a way where Jesus is central to us, that's fine. If we think about the covenant in a way that causes us to ignore Jesus or forget about him or marginalize the work he did, we're thinking about the old covenant in the wrong way. Tess. Hi. Hi. Um, one of the things that I think lost in our current learning environment is that the old covenant and the old testament are not the same thing. That's correct. The Old Testament contains six to seven different covenants, of which the Mosaic Covenant is one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Number two, um, what is often called, you know, God's covenant, or in the case of Moses, his covenant, was never God's desire to begin with. It was because they were unwilling to come and have a personal relationship that he set them up in a system that was common to that era in time among the pagans as well as God's people. A lot of so the he elements just were, set them yeah. up in something that they were able to handle at the time. Right. And it's not to that say that he didn't reveal want. stuff. You know, he didn't, it's not to say he didn't reveal truth about him, but, exactly. but you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It, and, and that's why it's so important to take the important, the significance when he later says to the prophets, I never desire sacrifice. He accommodated us. He, and he, he's accommodating us today. The difference, yeah. is, the difference is he's accommodating us unto the actual revelation of who we are in Christ and who he is in Christ. Jesus says, when, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And when we look at Jesus, the Bible also teaches us that we see our own glory as reflected in a mirror. We begin to understand who we are. And, and so that's the, Jesus is the difference. And when you, you know, so I was sitting there in that, in that meeting and I realized we've forgotten that Jesus is the difference. Let's just make sure that Jesus stays the difference. And if you want to fall in love with certain elements of the Old Covenant, Old Testament, if you want to love the history, if you want to be reminded of stuff, uh, Passover is an amazing thing. All these things, I'm totally good with that. But don't forget that Jesus is the centerpiece 
And he was the centerpiece of that, too. He walked down the road to Emmaus with those guys, and he explained himself all the way from Moses forward. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Anybody else? Oh, good. encouraging, though, to us if we think that God accommodated all of humanity in the willingness and revelation that they had at the time means that if I can look at revelation of what's what's potential, what what I actually have through the new covenant, then he's going to accommodate me in that. Oh, he's in the process of doing that all the time. Right. So it should be an encouragement if we can see yeah. it from that. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Great point. Anybody else? Janet, unmute. What's up, yeah, girlfriend? Got to... <laughs> oh, got Hold on. One of... <laughs> okay. Um, we can hear you good. I'm looking for the a verse. Sometimes you know how that is when you're yep. looking for that verse you got the other day. Um, I saw, I think I saw it in Hebrews that we are in a kingdom that is unshakable, which is the new covenant. So it's mm -hmm. unshakable, but the old covenant is shakable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, is interesting. I think what you're I'm talking just wondering about, maybe if this repentance thing is for those who are being saved um, and for the people coming in. Okay, so receiving um, the word. I would say that repentance pretty much always has the same meaning. It means to change your mind, to begin to see things as God sees them, to stop looking at them the way they seem naturally to you. And so repentance in this, in this new covenant, I think we need to repent. Like we need to repent of the thought that God has to have us dig up some wicked ways to repent from and to change, turn from before he can forgive us. We need to repent into the thought that he greets our transgressions with mercy and he doesn't remember our sins or identify us with them anymore because Jesus has died once for all for the forgiveness of sins. And, and he, he goes on to say there in Hebrews 9 and 10, where there has been a sacrifice for sins, there remains one no longer. Where there's been forgiveness, there remains one no longer. That's what leads to that passage I think you're talking about at the end of 12 or something where it says we come to, uh, to Zion, we come to a city, to men's spirits made perfect, uh, you know, to, to an unshaking kingdom where everything is going to be that way. That's because of the finished nature of the work of Jesus. We have to stay in that. And, and, and then we have to use it to interpret the events around us. So is, is there stuff we need to pray about? Is there stuff we need to think about, not do, stop doing? Of course, probably. But none of that comes to get God or give God some kind of permission that he does not have in Christ to change us. It's awesome. Cool. Yes, Ronnie. <laughs> it's me again. It's you again. Um... How you probably have this in your mind. Yes. So I'm going to try to ask about it. How do you plan on where are you going to focus when you try to talk to other pastors about this idea? What's your what's your current plan right now? And the reason why I ask is not that maybe I'm going to talk to other pastors, but I could talk to other people. Other people. Sure. I, I, I'm just going to ask, where is Jesus and his finished work in this in this thought? And more specifically, 
Where is the Father's acknowledgement of Jesus seated at his right hand? That's what Scripture says. And, and where is the it is finished in this plan? And even though there's no question that the desire is that this produce something good, are we actually inadvertently marginalizing the work of Jesus and pulling ourselves in, in our perspective, not in our reality, in our perspective out of the covenant that God has established through the blood of Christ? That's, that's kind of my plan. It's just to say, you know, you guys, uh, you're, asking, you're asking us to say amen to this message, and I can't. And I actually don't think the Holy Spirit can either. So where's Jesus in the middle of this? And where's the finished nature of his work? That's what I'm going to talk about. And I'm going to do it with love, because I have love for him. Anybody else? Well, cool. Is anybody uh, anybody got any needs? Anybody running up against stuff? Are you in trouble financially, emotionally, anything like that that you'd like us to pray for you? You look like a hearty group. Hello, Joel. Hey, Larry. Uh, I'm here this morning. Uh, yeah, I just want. Uh, it's great listening to some positive. Uh, great message this morning amid this, this time. It's crazy being down here. Everyone is talking about uh, the rapture, the end and everything. People are just so scary these days. I just can't put up with Christian conversations these days because uh, everyone is talking about scary stuff so i'm glad that uh, just so that everybody that doesn't know you joel lives in uganda he's there right now and uganda is under some very strict uh very strict government edicts um imagine how it feels here in the united states and then just envision that you have the same stuff happening in a in a minor way unfortunately but the reaction is super major in a country with a pretty poor health system and a guy who's hanging on to a dictatorship. So that's what Joel and his friends are under, and our brothers and sisters there. Okay. So my, my call to action, yeah, I just want to ask for prayer. Um, um, pray for Uganda. Uganda. Uh, pray for Uganda, um, as we pray for the world. Uh, but most importantly, uh, take some time and pray for the, uh, the orphans and the widows and elderly people. They are the ones that are most affected by this uh, crisis right now here in Uganda. Um, some of those families that we feed, but those that we don't feed. And, you know, what we feed is just a small portion of the so many out there. So let's pray for them. And, um, yeah, let's continue praying for the leaders that uh, they will, we will find solace. They will, they will find um, wisdom and they will find humanity in them to know that even as we deal with this uh, pandemic, whatever they want to call it, they don't forget that uh, life is valuable uh, and what one price of a soul was the naked Jesus Christ on the cross. So let's not get so much into panic 
uh, and forget about the value of human life. So, yeah, I want to ask for prayer for that. And I also wanted to say that um, for me, what gives me confidence is that this COVID-19 thing doesn't look like a supernatural thing going on. I, I don't see it as a sign that is pointing onto the whatever rapture. This is... Um, this was a man-made mistake, whatever is happening. I don't see this as a supernatural something, according to the limited information that we have. So right. that gives me the confidence. And I still believe that our God is not a bully that is going on around bullying us and teasing us and holding us hostage for whatever intentions you might have. That's not a right. kind of God believed. Thank right. you so much. Amen. Amen. Part of the prayer that I want us to pray for, for Joel and for all of us, really, and for the leaders, you know, uh, there's a lot of good intentions. This is one thing I learned this week. You can have incredibly good intentions. You can appeal to the wrong covenant, the wrong source, the wrong relationship, and you can come out with some bad thoughts. And those bad thoughts take the place of good ones. They take the place of, of the realization that God is on our side in this. He's walking with us in it, not against us and not over the top of it. So, Anybody else have a prayer request before we pray and close? It's awesome. I like the TV up here. I can see you guys. All right. Would anybody like to pray? Yeah, I'd like to pray for Uganda, Pastor. That'd be awesome, Jeremy. Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, that, that we know you. Uh, that we are close, Lord, that you are close to us, closer than our brother, Father. Father, I just I thank you for the stirring in my heart, Lord, as, as Joel shares, Lord, of, of the conditions and the situations. And, and uh, first, I just I just pray, Lord God, for revelation of, of God the Father to be very, very present in the leaders there, the very people that, that, that we use phrases like dictator, and rather that the revelation of God would strike their hearts, Lord, and there would be the unthinkable, the unimaginable, the miraculous that would happen there, Lord. So I just just declare that, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would do what it is so good at doing and invade yes, those hearts, Father God. And we thank you for that, Lord. I thank you, Father. Let let the let the weight of of these these people, uh, the orphans and widows, you know, let the weight of that hit us and let us just entertain that, Father, and, and feel that. And, and be stirred to speak life, to speak freedom, to speak um, liberty, uh, to move in giving. Lord, let those let those be ways that we can take part. And and each person doing uh, what what you stir in their heart to do. So I thank you, Father, for the moving in my own heart uh, for that, Lord, and the, the the kind of the heaviness that I feel for that. I thank you, Lord God, that I can just bring that and put it right back at you and say, Lord, this is what I'm sensing. And, and Father, I just declare widows and orphans and those who are in need are, and, and are not being seen and, and not receiving, Father. And I say, pour out your goodness, Father. Pour out your goodness, pour out food, pour out the needs that are there, Lord, uh, into that country, Father. We thank you yes. for that, Lord. You are good. Yes. And, and so just continue, Father, to, to express your goodness like you do so well. I pray for f folks like Joel and his team, Lord, for just the encouragement of their spirit, uh, that it would be uh, just uh, 
escalated. They would just be, uh, it would be magnified inside their heart, Lord, as you just speak to them ever so specially right now, Lord, and encourage them. And, and to, to the point where nothing will get them down, nothing will cause them to be distracted from their mission that you've given them. In Jesus' name, we love you, Father. Thank you. Amen, Lord. Amen. And Lord, I want to add one thing to this whole uh the discussion of, again, appealing to other covenants, appealing to other ways of deliverance, appealing to the rapture. Lord, as best as we can say it, we don't want to be rescued out of this and leave a whole bunch of other people blind, unsure of your love, and super vulnerable. We, Father, want to be the sons and daughters of God that you have shown us we are in Christ. And we want to make a difference in these lives. Jeremy mentioned giving. We can receive some of that. I'll, I'll let everybody know that in a minute. But even in the declarations we make, in the words we speak, Lord, we speak protection now over the land and the people of Uganda. Not abandonment. Not escape but your presence. Lord, I pray that same thing for everybody that's tempted to escape out of this thing. We have the opportunity to walk with you through it, to learn of you and to learn of ourselves. And so I thank you for that. I thank you for, for the, the hearts of these folks that are here. And I just speak over you courage and freedom and good cheer in Jesus' name. Amen. Kathy, you got something? Yes. Okay, okay, share it. I just wanted to say amen to that prayer. Praise God. There's a lot, there's a lot that we have, guys, that can be a part of this. A lot. Tess, you got something else? Yes, please. Um, I felt like I was seeing the image of Joseph, you know, when he stood before his brothers and he said what the enemy meant for evil. Amen. And I just feel like the, the situation is definitely not something that the Lord sent. It's just a part of being in this world. And yet it's like, I just see him calling us up to stand up like the, royal priesthood the royal heirs that we are and declaring this is not god's intent for his creation Amen. and that we are to take that stand and declare this thing does not have the power that we tend to as human beings to make it and and it's just um, a mechanism that is inviting us into that sonship and that uh, standing up in strength and speaking to that storm and saying, peace be still and actually expecting it to be still. Amen. You know, to Amen. start expecting these things to happen when we speak them um, because it's Father's heart, because it's His intent. Amen. And it's part of who we are. Amen. Amen. Well, Lord, thus we declare, as the sons of the living God, washed clean by the blood of Jesus, standing as priests and kings over this earth, 
uh, seeking, Lord, to, to, to come out of the confusion about our role, seeking, Lord, not to roll it back to you in, in un, uh, unnecessary ways, but to actually stand in the glory that you desire us to stand in. And we say to the COVID-19 virus, you are finished. You are finished. Amen. You are finished. You are finished. Let your demise be recorded and noted in contemporary history. You are finished in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Peace to the families that are impacted by it. Grieve with those that grieve. Mourn with those that mourn. But let us also laugh with those that laugh at the victory that you're bringing, Lord. We thank you for it. We thank you for it. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Larry. Yes. I have a prayer declaration sent out by a friend earlier uh, this week that is it's a very strong prayer declaration. And with your with your permission, I wouldn't mind reading it. Go ahead. Father, thank you that the kingdom of God is not in quarantine. As your child who lives in union with you and carries your kingdom, heaven is my portion. You are my source. In John 14, 12 through 14, Jesus said, I tell you this timeless truth. The person who follows me in faith, believing in me, will do the same mighty miracles that I do. Even greater miracles than these, because I go to be with my father. For I will do whatever you ask me to do when you ask me in my name. And that is how the son will show what the father is really like and bring glory to him. Ask me anything in my name, and I will do it for you. Therefore, Father, in agreement with Jesus, I declare, I will not catch the car coronavirus because I have diplomatic immunity and all sickness and disease. Amen. I live in Christ, which is a coronavirus-free zone. I can't even say it. It has no place. Amen. All creation bows to the name of Jesus. And when I yes. speak to the seen realm in his name, the unseen responds and heaven manifests. Therefore, I command the coronavirus to cease to exist on earth. Coronavirus, you are an illegal trespasser, and I command you to die in Jesus' name. Death and life are in the power of my tongue, and I speak life over this planet, over Uganda, over the United States, and everywhere that within my sphere of influence. It is my intention to prosper more than ever during this pandemic and as a testimony to show what the Father is like and what Jesus has accomplished. I am prospering in every area of my life, and this is my birthright as the new creation who lives in union with Jesus. Isaac planted in famine and reaped 100-fold, and I experienced the same because of increase of your government where there is no end. This pandemic will not infect or affect the forward progress of the kingdom of God through me. Amen. We thank you that this pandemic is no big deal for you, Father, or for us. We are fully yielded, abiding in Jesus and being used by the Holy Spirit each and every day to release heaven on earth. We surrender fully to the call of God on our lives to be a witness that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, Lord over all. I'm being used to change the face of Christianity in this generation. Father, use us, shape us, mold us, make us into your mature sons and daughters that live in perfect union with the Son 
and manifests all that he is. In Jesus' name, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven today through us. Your agenda only, Father. Amen. 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 Jason, if you could send that to us, we'll post it uh, in the comments that are going to be coming up under Facebook later. I certainly will. Post a link to that. Praise God. Well, I'm going to close with that, with that in a way. Uh, that's what I mean by repenting into something. Let's repent into the truth of that declaration. Let's change our mind so that that's our mind. Let's change our mind so that our mind is in Christ. In regard to something that was mentioned earlier, if you uh, go ahead and pop that up there for me, Jason, or uh, Riley. Uh, if you'll look up uh, the Tithely Church app and go through the process of the Tithely Church app and search for Joyland in Colorado Springs, you'll be able to get our app and you can also give through there. It's a pretty simple process, but the app will keep you posted. Um, and we, we can certainly receive funds, especially for like the guys in Uganda. Uh, because a little bit can make a lot of difference in this process right now. Joel has some connections. He's been working those connections. Uh, Joel, are you in a position where you could actually deliver some food if you had it to deliver? Yeah, right now, yes. Okay. Um, yesterday, I was able to talk to uh, the TASIC force. The government has put something they call the TASIC force to implement the presidential directives. Uh, fortunately, one of the folks on the task force here in this region okay. is my former um, workmate at Parliament. Yeah. So I was able to get hold of him and uh, he gave me green light. The only thing they don't want us to do is to have crowds gather. So they, they would work with me and with the police and with the community development officer and we'll go door to door or yeah. house to house to deliver whatever we have to deliver as opposed to having people uh, come together. Gotcha. So, um, and to make sure it's not a political motivated arrangement, which of course is not. And pretty yeah, much most not. of them know about that. All right, good. So anyway, if you guys just want to take a look at that little tidy thing, it's T-I-T-H-E dot L-Y. You can look it up on Google uh, app or on Android. And if you download the app, uh, it'll ask for a church. Just look for Joyland in Colorado Springs. And uh, you'll be able to stay in touch with us that way. We'd be happy to. If you got any other questions, go ahead. And uh, there's a form there on our website. You can send that back. But uh, there's a lot going on. Jason, thanks for that. Send that. We'll put that up. Bless you guys. Be safe. Have fun. You know what? Reach out. All of you got a Zoom thing going. I know that because I'm looking at you. So use that. Use that to to call a family member, or call a neighbor. You know, might be kind of scared or feeling isolated. Say, hey, I got this new thing I want you to do. Start a meeting. Your free Zoom account will allow you to have an unlimited number of 40-minute meetings or 45-minute meetings. And so, you know, for most of our friends, we don't want to talk to them on Zoom or phone longer than 45 minutes anyway. So just go ahead and, and, and figure out how to use that, and it'll give you a number. Send them an invitation, their email, and then call them on the phone. Say, look at your email Click on that link and you and I can have a face-to-face -face conversation and I'll show you my new recipe for cinnamon rolls or something. But just enjoy one another, okay?